It is time for another Lawyer Talk Legal Breakdown segment. We are taking hotbed legal issues, maybe not so hotbed legal issues, or maybe just simple uh, legal questions, breaking them down into simple, easy to understand terms. As I often like to say, I like to make things simple and almost everything can be made simple. Uh, too often lawyers talk in big words, they use legalese, they use a language that uh, nobody understands. In fact, in law school, they used to sort of jest and say, you're not learning the law, you're learning a different language. Well, that's all a bunch of nonsense. Well, maybe not really, but here's the deal. I can break it down and explain it to you. Now, the biggest trial in the country going on right now on November 3rd, 2021 is Kyle Rittenhouse up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Everybody should know by now that Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, it was engaged in uh uh, some property defense up during the rioting. Uh, he had an AR-15 with him, took off. Uh, things went, let's just say things went south quickly. Uh, he became under attack uh, and engaged in what he is claiming self-defense uh, by firing his weapon, I think killing two people. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of that. And anybody, by the way, who wants to get in a primer on that, I, I did an interview the other day with a guy named Andrew Bronk, a self-defense expert, uh, really good stuff, and you can catch that at uh, wherever you catch your podcast. It is out in the ether and ready to listen to. Uh, but the breakdown today is going to be a little bit more generic. We're going to talk about jury selection, what we lawyers call voir dire. What is voir dire? Now, I've tried many, many cases, and so often I get this question. It's, uh, what, uh, when is jury selection? And most of the time, if not all the time, it is right before the trial. That is the day of trial. So when people have a trial date, they often say, well, trial's starting that day, but when do I get to, when's the jury selection? Well, here's how this works. The, the jury selection, I mean, first of all, what a fabulous system. It is a system that uh, many people date back to 1215 Magna Carta, uh, where uh, King John had to basically bow to the will uh, and uh, give up some kingly rights uh, to the folks. That's an oversimplification, but uh, uh, anyway, it's uh, it's good enough for now. But uh, a jury of your peers in our country is guaranteed by the Sixth Amendment. That amendment applies to the states by uh, by virtue of the Fourteenth Amendment due process clause. And you, you get you get a right to a trial by jury, not only in felonies, but also in and I suppose for purposes of discussion, that means that if you have a drunk driving offense here in Ohio, if you have a, uh, a felony, if you have a, a misdemeanor assault, whatever it is, you have a right to demand a jury trial and you will get it. In Ohio, we get uh, uh, 12 jurors on felonies. Anyway, uh, here's, what I, here's what I want to get at. So voir dire, jury selection, it typically happens uh, right before the trial. And that's exactly what happened on Monday in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Now, here's how this works. There's a veneer. That means a uh, we, there's a calling of the jurors uh, that typically is done through voter registration rolls. And uh, they, the court system will send out uh, notices for people to come and, uh, and uh, perform their civic duty uh, and be on a jury. Uh, just because you get a call, a summons to come in as a juror, doesn't mean you're going to get selected as a juror. And that, that process is usually called voir dire. That's the jury selection. Voir, V-O-I-R, dire, D-I-R-E. And translated from the French, I think it, it means to speak the truth. And it goes back all the way to its Latin roots, where it meant that which is true. Uh, now, there's a reason they describe it that way. And there's a reason those words were used, because the lawyers on behalf of their clients in a criminal case, it would be the defense lawyer on behalf of his client or her client. And then in the, in the government side, it's the prosecutor on behalf of whatever governmental entity is prosecuting in Wisconsin. That would be uh, the, the state of Wisconsin. Uh, they get to ask the jurors questions. They get to ask uh, about their backgrounds. We get to ask what they, 
what they believe, what they don't believe. We get to talk to them about uh, how they feel about the law. Now, some judges have greater restrictions than others. Some judges say, you have to do this in 20 minutes, even on a serious felony. Other judges let you go on and on and on. I've been in courtrooms where judges perform the bulk of the voir dire, and then the lawyers only get to ask a few follow-up questions. Uh, but other cases, other courtrooms, uh, it's different. It just all depends on where you are. Now, as a trial lawyer, we look at voir dire. That process is is somewhat uh, dubious. I mean, dubious isn't the right word. Let's just say it's a, it has a, a different role than just getting to know the jurors. I like in voir dire to start to spin the yarn of my case. I like to talk to them about the issues they can expect. I want to make sure that they understand what my theories and thoughts and themes are. And if you listen to my conversation with Andrew Bronca, or Bronca, uh, you would, uh, we had a, a bit of a discussion about this, how, how jurors come in with some media bias, particularly in the Kenosha case. And, and they have been intentionally indoctrinated by various sources, and I say intentionally by money sources, by, uh, by others who may have an agenda attached to a case. And, and we as lawyers have to go in there and try to smoke that out. Now, I think it's a little bit uh, uh, an overreach to say that I can change a juror's mind in the context of a 20-minute conversation with a whole group of jurors, say 25 at a time. Uh, it, it's just not going to happen. So what I like to do is actually talk to the jurors about my case, start to give them uh, nuggets of what I intend to do. And I do that in the form of asking them questions about how they feel about it. Um, you start to spin the tale of your case. You start to tell the story of your case in voir dire. And the idea is they hear it first in voir dire. And then in our next breakdown, we're going to talk about opening statements. But uh, And then in opening statements, they get to hear uh, the theme of your case. And then when the evidence is presented, they get to hear it again. And they get to, they, they get to put it all together. And the idea is you drop little breadcrumbs. I, I, I like to to give them little seeds uh, that are going to grow throughout the trial, and I plant them in the voir dire process. Now, to be sure, if there is a juror, if there is somebody or some individual juror that is uh, uh, just blatantly biased and blatantly uh, doesn't want to be there or blatantly doesn't uh, or, or says they can't be fair, well, then we get to kick them off. Now, here we call these challenges, and there are two types of challenges in voir dire in the jury selection process. The first, I'm going to use the legalese, I'm going to break it down to the common English. The first is called for cause challenges. So challenges for cause. That means certain jurors are just not qualified to be jurors or certain people are just not qualified to be jurors. If you have a felony conviction, if you're not 18 years old, um, if you're um, uh, interested in the case, related to somebody in the case, uh, you automatically get excluded. There's a whole list of exclusions. I won't go through them all, but uh, they would make sense. Um, if you're if you're just not legally qualified or say you don't live in the county where the uh, trial is happening, uh, you wouldn't be qualified to be a juror there. And a lot of the judges' questions before the lawyers get to ask questions in voir dire have to do with that. They, they go through the four cause questions, uh, and that is uh, somewhat rote and routine. Uh, and then you get into, well, one more that, that warrants a little bit of discussion. If somebody just inherently cannot be fair for various reasons, there's often a catch-all four-cause challenge, and that gets into a gray area where a juror just says, I, I can't be fair, I don't like this guy, or I don't like this case, or I hate the state of Ohio, or whatever government there is. Uh, that may end up being a four-cause challenge that is a, a little bit in the uh, subjective area, not objective. The second classification of challenges, we call these peremptory challenges. These are challenges that you can make just about for any reason. So if I'm looking at a juror and I say just about for a reason we'll get to. But if I'm looking at a juror and I just don't like the way he or she looks at me, I think they're giving me the stink eye 
or the evil eye and they 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 are giving me that conviction type look well I can uh, I can just say I won't excuse this juror. Now here's the rub: I only get so many. Um, it depends on the jurisdiction. Say three or four, depending on felonies or misdemeanors, uh, death penalty cases. You get some more, but uh, you can't just excuse jurors ad nauseum. You can't go on forever and just uh, one after the other excuse them uh, as a peremptory challenge. Now there's some other restrictions on peremptory challenges that has to do with uh, race and gender. In theory, I'm not allowed to exclude jurors solely based on race or gender. Uh, I'm not allowed, uh, they would consider that discriminatory. Now here's where that comes up often. Uh, it would come up often where the maybe the prosecutor is excluding uh, a jurors of a certain race, not the defendant, uh, that becomes a constitutional problem. Uh, and again, it, uh, we have to understand that constitution Constitutional issues, it's not a two-way street, it's a one-way street. The defendant has constitutional rights, not the government. So when the government does things, it, it, it violates a defendant's constitutional rights. Now, that doesn't mean the defense can't do things that violate the rules of evidence or the other trial practice rules, but uh, they can't violate a prosecutor's constitutional right. Sorry, prosecutors, it just doesn't work that way. Um, so if a prosecutor is kicking off a bunch of uh, jurors of a certain race right in a row, then we would make a challenge, um, and we would approach the judge and say, wait a minute now, we've got this presumption here. They've kicked off three in a row of a certain race. My client is of that race or not of that race, whatever is the applicable in the case, and uh, we want this noted and, and we want to object, and uh, the judge would have to make a decision on that. Uh, it's called a Batson challenge, uh, and we would uh, then, if you lose the case, end up probably in the Court of Appeals on that kind of challenge. And uh, so goes the jury selection process. I would get to stand up for about, uh, say, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, ask the general panel a bunch of questions, and uh, then the judge would, uh, maybe before or after that, uh, talk about the four-cause challenges. After I get done asking questions, we typically approach and we say, we don't like juror number one, two, three, or whatever it would be. And then we winnow down the entire pool of jurors, maybe it starts with 20 or 30, and we winnow it down based on the government's uh, peremptory challenges and the defense peremptory challenges to 12. And then we typically seat a couple alternates, um, you know, two or three, depending on the, the case uh, and alternates, they get to sit through all the evidence. They get to listen, but at the time of deliberation, they get to go home and they don't get to uh, deliberate with the rest of the jurors. The idea of an alternate is if, um, if somebody gets sick or there's a problem or something comes up in the course of the trial, they get to step in uh, and uh, perform the actual juror role, not just be an alternate. Uh, and that pretty much wraps up uh, the voir dire or jury selection process, or I should say pretty much breaks it down into simple terms. So now you know, if you are scheduled for a trial or you're watching a trial, you know that when you pick a jury, most of the time it's going to happen the day your trial starts. Uh, typically it would happen in the morning. You'd uh, get a jury in the box, hopefully by lunchtime, maybe uh, early afternoon. And then the trial proceeds with opening statements. So jury selection happens the day of trial uh, and trial gets uh, kicking just like it did in, in uh, the Rittenhouse case right away. Uh, so now you know what there is to know all about voir dire jury selection because we just broke it down here on Lawyer Talk, taking the seemingly complicated concepts and breaking them down and making them simple. Why? Because I like to make things simple and almost everything can be made simple right here on Lawyer Talk, legal breakdown off the record, on the air, at least until now.